Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to Following On County Cricketer with myself, John Norman, double county championship winner Steve Harmison and the cricketers George DeBell and Nick Friend. Whether you're listening on TalkSport 2 or on the Following On podcast, thanks for joining us. It's going to be another busy show. Quite a week with the county championship taking a pause, but not before we had a T20 blast off at Edgbaston and the four-day game served up plenty of incident. Another big win for Surrey, this time against Kent, although not without a scare along the way. There was a heavy defeat for North Ants, uh, this time against Hampshire, and in Division 2, Durham's domination continued. Glamorgan, meanwhile, might still be batting. For long reaction to all of that, plus we'll take a look at the blast, which got underway with another painful defeat for Yorkshire, who are still winless this season. You're listening to Following On County Cricketer on TalkSport in partnership with The Cricketer. Well, the four of us are back together. Good to see you back, George, after becoming a granddad again in the last seven days. We were told you were on holiday and uh, I expected images of pina coladas and uh, flip-flops and sandy beaches. Bob Ados sprung to mind, but no. No, it was uh, it was the opposite of a holiday, but uh, a successful conclusion to the end of uh, the seven days you took off. So uh, congratulations to you and your family. Um, you. Shall we? Uh, there's well, we've actually got some positive news. I don't know about you guys, but we're all I think we're all maybe Harmy's not on the uh, the ECB WhatsApp group. But the last week or two, it's just been one thing after the other. And this morning I was just getting uh, my kids ready for school getting the breakfast on, getting them changed, stop, stopping them from fighting, the usual kind of thing. And suddenly I saw a, a message ping through from Danny Rubin at the ECB. And my heart sunk a little bit because I saw the top line. It said, Ollie Robinson, injury update. And I thought, oh, God, not again. Clicked on it. And hey, presto, some good news. Ollie Robinson, actually there's nothing wrong with him at all. But we are uh, we may 
We may not see him play in the Ireland Test match. But then again, George, I'm not sure who we're going to see in the Ireland Test match. It does seem like all the bowlers are going to be rested ahead of the Ashes. Well, I, I think you might see Potts and Wokes, mightn't you? Yes, it does. It's going to I be. Don't a, mean, a, I don't mean all of the bowlers, but you know what I mean. When I say we, all hey, bowlers, you I could mean, see a New England captain as well, couldn't you? The fair chance yeah. to see a New England captain as well. So, if Ireland were thinking that they were getting squeezed into the schedule as a warm-up game and worth getting the same respect as Australia, they're not going to have anything uh, that uh, dissuades them from that point of view, are they? But uh, we we don't live in a perfect time and. Uh, England are not uh, in the best of state at this stage. To be fair to them, they are probably judging their preparations on being ready for the first test of the Ashes. And it looks as if Ollie Robinson will be. It looks as if James Anderson will be. And hopefully Ben Stokes will be as well. So they'll they'll be in better shape once they get there. But, you know, if you look at England's absolute first choice attack, it's probably Anderson, Robinson and Archer of the three seamers. I I, I think... uh, and none of them are going to be available for this first test by the looks of things. And that's, uh, it, it's a shame, but we know that bowling is very hard work and the injuries are pretty much inevitable. But to have this many, don't know, might, might be something to reflect on there. Absolutely. Uh, while I've got you as well, before we start looking at our big moments of the week, another little press release which has just dropped. It's not going to, it's not going to uh, put cheer in the hearts of England cricket fans up and down the country in the manner that uh, news that Ollie Robinson is free from injury. But um, it's quite an interesting one, isn't it? Sanjay Patel, who isn't somebody that most cricket fans would be aware of, but he's played a big role within the ECB. First off, within the commercial department. Secondly, uh, within uh, the resurrection, not resurrection, creation of the 100. But um, he's he's going to leave at the end of this uh 100 campaigns, so he would have seen out the first 300 campaigns. And reading between the lines, it does seem like he's somewhat disappointed to be leaving, although he does say he's, it's time for fresh challenges. But why Why is this an important uh, moment in the week for, uh, for our listeners? You're right. He was uh, absolutely a key architect of the 100 and one of its most uh, vocal supporters. You're also right in talking about reading between the lines, because if you read the media release, it is very positive about both Sanjay and the 100, and yet he is leaving. So it's as if the words and the actions are telling you different stories. I do think it is another gentle dismantling of the competition, you know, and also uh, a move away from the large executive salaries at the ECB. There's none of that's meaning to have a go at Sanjay, who, you know, I disagree with about the 100, but he's certainly passionate and um, worked very hard to set it up. And in some ways it has been a success. In some ways it has. But there is now an admission that it's lost money. There is now an admission that the TV audience shrunk last year. And there is, I think, probably an admission that its future is in the balance. I don't think anyone uh, should think it's about to disappear in the next year or two. Uh, and, um, you know, there's a lot of conversation still to be had, but the fact is that the game's uh, strongest proponents of the 100 have left the ECB in the last 18 months or so, and uh, Sanjay is one of those. Okay, there was another moment when my uh, WhatsApp pinged, um, and that was on Thursday. Actually, it wasn't necessarily a WhatsApp, it was my Twitter, it was my Twitter account. And I got uh, a, looked at a tweet from the South Asian Cricket Academy, um, which we've mentioned over the last uh, 
you know, year or so. And it just said this, very proud day for the SACA program as three graduates make their first class debuts. One of them um, was actually playing in that game for Kent against Surrey. And uh, Nick, I think that's uh, part of your moment of the week, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, I was at Bristol where Zaman Akhtar and um, another of the three was making was making his debut. And in fact, I'd been at, I'd actually been at an open trial session in, not an open trial, it was a sort of a showcase session in January or early Feb at, late, at the indoor school, the Leighton Cricket Ground, at which certainly Zaman Akhtar and Arafat Buyan, who was the, the Kent seaman question, were... Um, we're in action with effectively 15, 16 of, of the of the programme sort of best players netting with basically sort of county representatives invited. So Matt Walker was upstairs and obviously three months later signed signed Arafat. Um Middlesex and Essex also had also had scouts down. Yeah, and, and Zane, obviously Zane Hassan, who I believe had already signed a deal by the time that came about and he was the third to make his debut last week, opened back for Glamorgan. But it actually wasn't just those three, because then Jaffa Jai made his debut for Yorkshire in the blast on Saturday evening. And Hassan Azad, who once been released by Leicester over the winter, basically got his, his professional career back on track by, by wintering with Saka. He was opening the bank for North Ants down at the GS Bowl on Thursday. So effectively five five out of seven graduates, the other two being Andy Meads, who's at Somerset, and Kashifali, who we'll see this week at Worcestershire, back, back when the blast restarts for them, all in action a single week. I mean, George and I have both been fortunate enough to get to know Tom Tom Brown over the last year, year two years. He's done a phenomenal job. I think that's the long and short of it. I mean, is there a more successful academy in the country than one that's producing seven pros in 12, 15 months? I mean, I, th- I think what they do that's very actually beyond the beyond the representation, you know, angle, which is why this was set up out of Tom's PhD research and out of the you know just the raw stats that you're I think you're 34 times more likely to be a professional cricketer if you're a privately educated white white Brit than if you're than if you're a state educated Asian boy. So it was set up out of data that he'd come upon through his research. But but actually at the sharp end of it, which is what we've seen in the last week or so, is the value of having a program that targets players who are ready to play first team cricket. So it's it's an 18, it's effectively 18 plus. Arafat Bian is, is a 26-year-old, Zaman Act is 24. Zainal Hassan had been to the Worcestershire Academy and Andy Amiz played for Scotland. He's, he's got a first class first 100 for, for Warwickshire. Um, Kashifali had scored a bucket load of runs in the Kashmir Premier League. He played for half the, you know, played in half the club Premier Leagues in the country before he got his go with Worcestershire. I mean, guys are ready to play, which is why you saw Arafat be signed the, literally the day before Ken went to Surrey. And in a long season where teams are looking for seamers, particularly Kent, who've talked about on here before, having a very sort of unusual, if that's the right word, <laughs> stock a scene bowl. I mean, it's just purely in that sort of short term level. It's, it's it's been shown to be a, a tremendous asset to the game, but 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 equally, that's not why it was set up. It was set up to show the untapped talent that's out there, the the rejected, misused, mis mishandled talent that's, that's out there. And to say seven players in fifteen months is would be a remarkable achievement for any academy, let alone one that is frankly working with extremely scant resources. Fifty five grand a year is is what the, their their entire budget. So. Tom Brown, who set it up, I think people might think he's making. I mean, he's literally yeah, doing it for free. He's doing it for free. He's, 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 he's a, he's a doing it for And he is, yeah, he's done a done a brilliant job for. Um, not just those, hero. Not just those game. seven guys as well, but like there's 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 a women's strand of the program, and more importantly, there are a load of guys I suspect now who 
looking at the system and thinking there's much more chance than getting in than perhaps there was this time last year when the guys that we lost the system didn't really have anywhere to go. And uh, he's, But equally, it's not just the seven. There are guys like Sad Pereira who played for England under 19. He's, he's now got like 100 against feels like all the all the twos, virtually all the county second teams. He He's still still not got a deal, but you know, there's a, there is a lot of, not new information, but there's a huge amount of talent outside of the, you know, the 18 professional squads. And I mean, Arifat I mean, you mentioned his debut for Kent. He, his first week it was Ollie Pope, his second week it was, I want to say Ben Folks or Jamie Smith, and his third one, third and fourth, third and fourth with Will Jack. So, round to the best team in the country's middle order with effectively three England players and a future England player. So, he's, it's not started badly. Uh, and I, I think, I think that, that what uh, Tom Brown has shown is uh, what could be done beyond the South Asian community. Uh, and I think what he would like to do is transfer what he's learned so that it is available to like all working class kids, for, for want of a better expression. But people the game has missed. There's not really a system anymore once you're 18 and not in a county pathway. Yeah. And actually on a, on a far wider on a far wider plane, and uh, I mean, on, on that exact point, if you actually look at the, certainly if you take, I think Arafat, I believe, was on, I believe he's a year with the MCCYCs. I know Zevan Actor was was being looked at by a load of counties, played second team cricket. As George says, there's not the Y the YCs have gone, the MCCU the system gone. has gone. If you are not in a system at 18, it is probably yeah. I don't know, maybe I'm exaggerating this, but I can't yeah. think it's been harder to to work your way in past the traditional point. I know that there are some counties that still value their their local club system very highly. I know that there's some that <laughs> some that don't. So um, which, which as I say, is probably why someone like Cash Valley had to go and do the do the rounds in different leagues and different second teams before finding his opportunity with Worcestershire. It's, yeah, it's, it's it was a great day and a great week, as I say, with with Jaffa Chowan and on, in the blast and blast off on Saturday night. And as I say, in this week with Cash Valley and with Hassan Azad as well, he and I was very grateful to to Tom Brown and Saka for getting him back on the on the grind as well. Brilliant stuff. Uh, we have uh, run out of time in the section for the other big moments. We haven't even heard from Harmy yet. I think he's had a little snooze. He was outside St. James's Park for 12 hours yesterday, so I think he's quite happy just to sit back and, and listen. We'll hear about his uh, big moment, which will also factor into our, our roundup of Division 2. The topic of Kent is going to stay with us. We will be talking about that Surrey game, but also uh, my big moment uh, surrounds uh, a little bit of news that came out of Kent this week. And we didn't even talk about the blast-off last week. That's what happens when you go away, George. We forget all about a massive event happening in Birmingham. Uh, if you'd been here, we would have talked about it. We didn't. But uh, you'll be able to uh, fill in the listeners on how it went and uh, also take a little look ahead to the rest of the T20 action. Uh, Loads to come here. And thanks for listening to Following on County Cricketer. You're listening to Following on County Cricketer with myself, John Norman, alongside George DeBell and Nick Friend from The Cricketer and Steve Harmison, who we haven't even heard of. Heard of? Heard from. Army. <laughs> How was uh, how was, how was up north? Champions. Right. We'll talk about football very briefly, but uh, all season, and we spent a lot of time in New Zealand. Me and you, you were telling anyone who'd listen, there's no way whatsoever that Newcastle are going to finish in the Champions League places. Well, hey, presto, here we are, <laughs> and uh, you're going on a European tour next year. Yeah, going on a European tour. A lot of places that don't know cricket, so nobody will know who I am, which is fantastic. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, no, it was a long day yesterday. It was it was a brilliant day yesterday. See the Geordies get into to Champions League. I was there last time, twenty years ago, when we went to Milan and 
and Barcelona under Sabobi and people like and Kenny Daglish and that. So it was it was it's been a good week. The sun's been shining, which is always a bonus up north. It's not exactly you know, European weather, but we'll take it. Um, we still got our jackets on, but again, it's been another fascinating week in in the county circuit. My moment of the week was the to get to win a game, getting bowled out first innings for eighty three. That's some achievement, especially when you put thirty was it thirty three on for the last wicket between Jack Brooks and Ben Gibbons. So Worcester for me, an all round performance, gone from absolute shocking to chasing two seven five on the on the last uh, in the fourth innings is is no mean feat. So good on Worcester because a lot of sides would have capitulated during that time. They're up to third in the in the uh, in the second division of the championship, and to chase down two seven four when the, the next highest score in the game was 180. Yeah, fair play to them. Jack Brooks, I think, who was on loan. I'm not sure. Nick, was it yeah. was his first game on loan? Well, yeah, he, it was a very weird, wasn't it? Brooks he didn't bowl, really. He didn't bowl with the numbers of wickets, but that that sort of partnership at the end of the first innings has, has, has kept him in the game from chasing 300 mm-hmm. on the fourth, fourth so innings for, to win the game. So. That loan situation is a very... In fact, James Coyne, I know we'll get to the cricketer later, but James Coyne has written a very good piece online for the cricketer about the the county loan system slash debate slash whatever you, however you consider it. But it was very odd to see teammates Jack Brooks and Josh Davey loaned out in the same week to two opposing teams, Division Two, end up playing each other. And you know they're only there for a week. It's they're both in the last years. I think at Somerset. It's an, I don't know. The loan system is an interesting one. I think you can use it very well. I think you can use it in a very weird looking way. And I don't know quite where I sit on those ones. And I must, I always think it must be quite an unfortunate look if you're one of the players who, you know, if you're a seamer at one of those two counties who's been left out for a guy who'd been drafted in to play for a club for four days. I think Josh David didn't even have his name on the back of his shirt. Yeah, but, but I, I would, well, the thing I would go with that is if, if you're, if somebody's coming in, means you're mm-hmm. not performing well enough. And yeah, but for, I just think for, for a week, those week long yeah. loan deals, I get my kids are going up the backside. I mean, one of them clubs, it might have an injury crisis. It might not have a seamer fit enough to play. England might, England might be looking for a long player to play against Ireland when it comes to seamer's point of view. But I always look at it if I, I, I'd want young players to, to get a chance and be given a chance. But if they're not good enough or not ready, or if you've got a senior bowler or somebody that's not pulling their way, it's not a bad thing to shot across the bat and say, yeah. well, don't book your ideas up. He's going to come in permanently and he's probably going to take your contract. I don't disagree. I think I think the loan market can be used very well. And actually, as James Coyne, James Coyne speaks rights about this, I mean, there are different kinds of He cited the example of someone like Max Holden, who, when he was an England under-19 player, went on loan to North Ants, couldn't get a Middlesex team, had a very good year at North Ants, having average 40 job with the bat and came back. And that that's really beneficial. Um, someone like Ollie Robinson last year, I mean, that, you know, Durham, Maastricht from Durham, pick him up on loan, do all the hard yards, introduce himself to, you know, <laughs> introduce him to... To, to the city, to the players, make him want to stick around. Then suddenly you've got yourself a new wicketkeeper for the next year. But, and then as I get those ones, and obviously you've got the odd emergency loan. I think Derbyshire have got Nye Donald keeping for the blast. I, just, I think uh, Brooke Guest's injured, isn't he? And that, that, that obviously that makes sense. You need a keeper. Um, you've got injury problems, et cetera. The ones that confuse me slightly, those very short term ones. I remember Gloucestershire signed three lads in a week last year ahead of a championship game. And 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 I guess you've got these two with Worcester and, and Leicester. And say, let you don't necessarily know the, the ins and outs, what's going on injury-wise, and it may make perfect sense. It just always seems odd that you can sign someone for four days. I get that. I, I, I'll go off experience, because I I got mm. 
I got asked to go you to did Yorkshire, didn't you? Yeah. And I, and mine was mine was a little bit different. When Dizzy rang me, he asked me if I'd be interested in coming. I said, not interested, Matt. I'm not. I just I'm I'm probably at the point of retirement. And his argument was, we've just lost Sidebottom, injured, Bresnan injured. All our senior bowlers are injured. I've basically got Anthony McGrath, 37, Gerard Brophy at 33 or 34. And he says the rest of them are 18, 19. And yes, the, the 18, 19 were Joe Root, Johnny Bairstow, Gary Balance, um, Adam Lythe, Steve Patterson, Adil Rashid. Um, we still need We now. need somebody to come in. And it was basically, we, I said, Matt, I can't bowl a hoop downhill. I said, I, honestly, I can't land a thing. And he said, I'm not bothered. I just want you to come in the dressing room and they'll see your experience and just basically babysit a bunch of young young players. So there is there is different yeah. angles for different ways and different mm, levels. No, absolutely. So I, I couldn't bowl a hoop downhill. I think I got about 10 wickets. I got all the overseas out because it seemed to be, that's the challenge for me to get myself going. I had a few arguments with some young kids, told them a few stories and um, made some nice friends. Everybody was a winner because side bottom came back after four games um, and they, they got promoted. So there are different ways in going, but yeah, I wouldn't say I'm against, yeah, I'm not certainly not against the system. I just, mm. yeah, it's just that one week one that was, was struck me as a bit, a bit weird. George, we haven't heard from you in this section. What was your, uh, what was your moment of the week? I kind of alluded to it in the, in the first section of the show, something that happened at Edgbaston. Well, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, what Harmy said there is uh, was really good and, and the Thacker thing was really good as well. But I, I do think it's interesting that yet again, Sam Hain has played a match winning in innings. He's doing it across formats and he's doing it over a concerted period of time. And I think in a, in a weaker playing age, hmm. he's a guy who, who probably played 100 times for England. Already. He'd have so many caps. He would, across <laughs> formats. Uh, and he... I don't know if one people realize how good he is, and two people realize how much he keeps improving because he has. He's 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 really come on. And uh, look, I think if he got an opportunity to play for England, I think if he got an opportunity to play Test cricket for England, he could average forty. And that does, and, that's me and Man- sorry, George, me and Manners spoke that because we on the Cricket Collective we we we're getting t-shirts printed. The Invisible Man with you know Invisible Man Sam here not because. Just seems that nobody seems to watch him. Nobody seems to be interested in him. But it'd be interesting to see if somebody was watching this week because the blast off. It was this new concept: two games in, you know, two three twenty games in a day. So there'll be a lot of people from the ECB watching how that event went. And he didn't disappoint, did the Invisible Man? So maybe somebody did see him in that game and thought, "Oh, he's not a bad player." But I think well, I, I think everyone realised he scored a few runs for a while. I think he's I just, he's just a product of not right. He's he's just a victim of the environment, isn't he? Like he's a very very good middle order batter in a time where England have very very good middle order batters. If he was an opening batter, he probably played forty tests by now. Well, you know, he's only had his chance. Like, and he's also uh, this will sound really silly, but I wonder if he's, I do sometimes wonder if his consistency works against him. You know, there are guys. Some guys have a year and the average eighty five. They're the talk of the town. Whereas you've got a lot of guys who you know pile on scores year on year in all formats and sort of go unnoticed because you just expect it of them. And as you say, whereas guys who, you know, the bolt from the blue who comes and has the best year of his life and can often find themselves on the tour because they're the guy in, guy in form at the end of the season. I felt sorry for him in Bangladesh when when England opted not to repl- pick a replacement batter. I mean, I I, I, you know, I, I understand their reasoning. I didn't agree with it, that they, that these, you know, they want to give, you know, thought they'd put more miles in the legs to the guys who they think will be in, 
involved in World Cup squads, but I do think you need to give a bit of rope to guys who are performing domestically. And, and to be fair, Sam Ain captain of the Lions over the winter. Like England know he's very good and he probably is the next guy in. It's just that there are a lot of guys, you know, we've seen with the folks in Bairstow stuff in the last couple of weeks, and where that leaves other guys, like there are just a lot of blows to get into very few spots and a very congested He's competing with side. Joe Root. With Joe Root, exactly. I mean, That's the thing. Like, he's, he's not done anything wrong. I don't think he could do much more than... And as you said, like every time, you know, he was, he's been challenged over his strike rate. He boosted his strike rate. He's been challenged to get his Red Bull back, Red Bull Cricket back to where it was originally, and he's done that. And every time he's, you know, obviously ended up in the big bash over the winter, which was great. You know, weirdly sort of going full circles, an overseas player back at, back at Brisbane, having been a Queensland kid. And I think he'd played a lot of representative cricket with the guys he ended up playing with at heat, but as their overseas player. I mean, he's, he's done great. He's done all the things you can do. Yeah, as you say, he's just waiting on that opportunity, whether that, whether that comes or not. He's got, he's actually, um, he's, he's got gears. Uh, and I like the fact that he's played himself in. It, it, he actually played himself in, in, in the T20 over the, over the weekend. He, you know, at one stage, they were in a very precarious position. In fact, it looked like the game was over before it had begun. It looked like it was going to be a damn squib. And he, he um, built that in it masterfully and that's what he does in the championship as well he's actually quite a slow starter and you might think that's a bit unfashionable it might be a bit unfashionable or it might be that come the end of the summer we're thinking do you know what that is actually the sort of player that England needs you know an ability certainly to damage opposition but also to build an innings anyway he's a very very good player he's doing everything right so I hope his opportunity comes and I think it will, because there's a hell of a lot of cricket, isn't there? Mm. And there's that Caribbean tour coming up at the end of the year, and you wonder if that will be the opportunity for him. He appears to be competing, not that it's a spot, but obviously Tom Abel went to, was, was due to go to Bangladesh, wasn't he? Is that um, before he got, I think it was a side strain, wasn't it, that ruled him out? I guess that is, you know, so maybe in a push there is a spot, you know, that, that's available. And I guess that's the one they're all, that's the one those two and several others are, are competing for, you know, certainly in white ball cricket. There's, they've got bats coming out of their ears. We're going to, have to wrap it up, guys. But uh, let's not forget that that tours of the West Indies have come off the back of the 50 over World Cup. So it might be mm-hmm. a chance to reset. Maybe a couple of players may signal that that's the end of their 50 over career. And also, I imagine that that tour of the West Indies will feature an understrength side, or certainly a different side to the one that goes to India. So uh, we shall see. Uh, 1,137 runs at 63 in 2022 and 436 runs at 72 in 2023. That's thanks to Scott, the producer, who's just sent me the stats for Sam Hain. I think he's got them embedded because they uh, do talk about Sam quite a lot on the Cricket Collective. Either way, still got lots to talk about here on Following On County Cricketer. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 
The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. This is TalkSport 2. This is following on County Cricketer uh, in conjunction with the cricketer, George DeBell, Nick Friend, as well as myself, John Norman and Steve Harmison. Still plenty more to come on the show. We haven't even spoken about much of the action from the last week. The week before, the rain got involved, didn't it? It was a horrible, horrible week. So I think there was one result in nine matches or maybe eight matches this week the rain didn't get involved quite as much and we saw what one draw one draw in the division one and one draw in division two and even that draw between Sussex and Glamorgan should have a little <laughs> asterisk so next to it then you consider that Oli Robinson hobbled off and it was all a bit of a farce in the end but ha- taking a look through the uh, county championship division one we've kind of talked about Surrey against Kent I, I actually text or messaged uh, Mark Church at Surrey on day two I think it was and Surrey were 280 uh, Gus Atkinson was starting to go a bit crazy and uh Essentially, Churchy texts back saying, uh, and at this point, Surrey only led by about 40-odd on on uh, on first innings. And Churchy just said, well, they like winning by nine wickets here, so mark, mark, mark your card for that one. And Surrey went on to win by 10 wickets. And I had a little look at all the results, and it actually surprised me to forget they've won pretty much all of their games by quite some distance. But again, just like against Middlesex and some of those other matches, Warwickshire, there were vast periods of this game where the match really did seem to be in the balance. Surrey 211 for seven after Joey Everson had uh, seen Kent up to 278. And, you know, they were coming within parity. It was almost a one innings game. And then Kent lost three wickets before stumps on day two and Churchill was proved to be right. He's always right. So that's Surrey and Kent. Where else should we look? George, what about uh, what about Somerset um, beating Middlesex? Uh, runs from Tom Abel. Tom Curley Cadmore's actually started churning out a few runs. Uh, George Bartlett with 121. And uh, Matt Henry, um, who, of course, uh, played for Kent for a couple of seasons. Five for 45. And, uh, yeah, good victory. And also, almost a forgotten man in all of this wasteland of broken English fast bowlers, Craig Overton. Five for 46. Could we could we see him appear at the back end of the ashes? Uh, stranger things have happened. Look, Somerset needed that. I don't see them necessarily being a um, championship contenders this year, but they wanted to move away from getting, they were getting uncomfortably close to the bottom, weren't they? And they needed that. Craig Overton is an underrated bowler. I I feel bad for him. He has played in some really difficult positions, uh, in conditions rather, 
I, I honestly, I can't remember whether it was Broad or Anderson said, must have been Broad, that if he had played in the Caribbean on those test wickets, he reckoned his career might be over. So however well, disappointed they were yeah. to be left out, you know, there was kind of a bright side. As it was, poor old Craig mm-hmm. Overton and Chris Wokes played there instead. And it didn't do them any favours, did it? Because those wickets were... Well, was, and not, wasn't, not wasn't, just, the stat that, wasn't the stat that the guys... So the, that it was Wokes, Fisher, Mahmood, Overton, were England's frontline seamers and, and, and Wood. I believe they played something like three first-class games between them in the next 12 months, didn't they? Wood didn't play, Wokes didn't play, yeah. Overton... No, uh, Overton's probably the one out. Sorry, Overton's the one out. But apart from Overton, yeah. the others managed about three, two, three games between them. Yeah, and, and one of the things with Overton that is a wonderful quality, uh, you know, Harmy's probably well-placed to talk about this, is his preparedness to play on through injury. And you'll remember, he had that broken rib in Australia going way back at, at Perth. And with his broken rib, he was still diving in the outfield. <laughs> you, could, you know, it was mad. But also, you, you can understand why Farbrace and Bayliss loved the guy. They did. They loved the guy. And he, I know that his, I, th- I think it's his back has been a problem this year. And he's had painkiller injections. I think it's his back. And um, basically probably should have rested. But he wants to bowl. And, I, and I, you'd love that as a captain. Now, is he absolutely test quality? Is he, you know, does he have the skill of Robinson? I can see Nick shaking his head vigorously. All I would Sorry, say it wasn't that. It wasn't that. <laughs> when, they, when they played together for, for both Alliance and stuff, and when they were coming through, their records are very, very similar. Very similar, and, I, and Robinson's obviously done brilliantly. But there were times when he walked off the pitch, particularly, you know, obviously he didn't play on that Caribbean tour, and he didn't play a lot in Australia. He, he played quite a lot, would bowl with the new ball and then go off. And he did leave the likes of Wokes and Overton to bowl the tough overs and bowl through their niggles. And it hasn't done them any favours, has it? So I, I'm kind of glad to hear you say that. I still have a bit of belief in Craig Overton. I think he's better than his record shows. Are you saying he's your first choice, you know, uh, above Robinson and Anderson and Archer? Well, of course he, he isn't. No, he isn't. But he's a little bit better than people make out. And um, I think there's a hell of a lot to like there as as a sort of a warrior with both him and, and Jamie Eppley. And, and maybe Jamie o will be back for the latter stages. You know, he's played one test, very almost got 100, bowled with good heart and pace. Good cricketers, the Overtons. Absolutely. I'm just going to gloss over the North Ants defeat, if you don't mind. Um, Hampshire beating North Ants by an innings and 135 runs. Even Hampshire supporting producer is nodding away at that. He's, he's quite happy that we don't talk about that one. Uh, so the, can I say one thing that's interesting about that? that um, I think there's something like 444 for 40 against Hampshire this season, not North Ants. So they'll be pleased not to be playing them again. But then they've been bowled out for 50, 60 and 70 in the last, well, inside the last two months, which for a team that. I mean, for any team, it's obviously not ideal. But for a team that built their survival last year on basically big scoring, then either winning the odd game or drawing, they are miles off where they were last year. And to be fair, John Sadler, from the quotes I've seen, has been extremely open and honest about that. But um, some extraordinary numbers. And as Sadler said, like they rebelled out for 60-odd by, well, sorry, 56, I think it was last week, wasn't it? Without That was Hampshire without Kyle Abbott. I think it was bowled out for 60 by knots without Luke Fletcher. So they're not even... It's not necessarily been full strength attacks. Yeah, they, 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 the blast have probably come at quite a good time for them because actually they should be very they should be very strong with a backbone of sort of Chris Lynn, David Willey, Andrew Ty. They could do the momentum that the next couple of months ought to give them before going anywhere near Red Bull again. 
Harmi, I just like to get your thoughts on Craig Overton. Um, and we should also make mention of the last match in County Division, County Championship Division One, Nottinghamshire and Essex. It was a draw in the end. It was actually a pretty good game. Essex 298, um, at one stage 151 for one. Wesley, um, he's been uh, batting well. Alistair Cook alongside him, both hit 50s and Knotts hit 442. Montgomery with 177. And then Essex had to bat. And they did. They batted well. 99 to Cook, 95 to Wesley. And then there was a bit of a basketball de- declaration, which uh, saw Notts uh, lose a few wickets in a hurry. And then he's, he's never got 100 there, has he, Norma? No. Never got 100 to Cook. No. Never got 100 at Trent Bridge. Weird. And, no. and now he's got a 99 there. So um... Never got 100 at Trent Bridge. Um, and is it probably the last time that, you know, the, the, the three great players that you know, come just after sort of my generation are crossed paths with them in Broad, Anderson and and uh, and Cook. Cook played against Anderson a couple of weeks ago. Cook's played against Broad. Uh, Broad and Anderson's played against each other um, up until the Ashes. But will we ever see them together at any point on a cricket field again? Possibly not. That could be the last, the last time with the Ashes coming round and the likelihood is that one or two might hang up their boots and, and, and Cookie got... 99 at a place where he didn't, um, he hasn't gotten 100, but he's getting 100 many, many other places. Um, so that was, it's always great to see great players, you know, play against each other, um, especially in the longer format of the game, which we all love. But the Craig Overton one for me is he's reliable as Craig Overton. Probably the best way I'd, I'd describe Craig. He's, a, he's, he's like the old fashioned county pro who will play through anything, he will give you everything he's, if he's got. I think the difference between Overton and Robinson, Craig Overton, I mean this, is Robinson bowls that little bit fuller, utilises his height from that natural length that little bit fuller, where Craig's just a bit like my natural length, which was a little bit shorter. Um, and I think that's why he probably doesn't get as many wickets in test matches as what is what Jamie is uh, is what uh, Ollie Robinson does. I thought he'd have been called into the squad for the Ireland test match because I think... The island, the island test match with the Ashes coming up behind it. I think when the squad was picked, there's two, there's sort of two squads of bowlers. I think there's, I think there's Anderson, Wood, and Robinson for the first test match against Australia. And I think there's Wokes, Potts, and obviously Broad for for the Island one. But they need backup, and I think I think Craig would have been the one that gets called in. Um, he's a fine bowler. Is he quick enough? And what I mean by that is when Robinson bowls that fuller length, he gets that zip and that nip off off the surface where I don't think Craig gets that in, in sort of test match cricket. And I think in test match cricket, you need that zip to just catch the outside edge of a good player. Or in first class cricket, you, yeah, you get a lot of player misses. But because he bowls that little bit short of a length, players aren't as good. They do nick them a little bit more. And... He picks up his wickets there. And I think that's the difference between he's probably too good for first-class cricket, but on the sort of bottom rung of of Test match cricket, if you know what I mean. And that's that's there's nothing wrong with that. I think he's a fine performer. Like George said, he'll do anything for you. He's he's like Chris Wokes, a lot like Chris Wokes, a good man, good good player to have, great all-round qualities, very reliable, very durable. But sometimes it possibly doesn't get the rub of the green that he, his efforts deserve. Okay, quickly, Division Two. We kind of talked about um, Worcestershire and Leicestershire. Leicestershire almost seemed like our second team at the moment, but uh, they uh, went down to their first defeat 
of the season, despite uh, bowling was to cheer out for 83, as uh, Harmy made mention at the start of the show. Um, so congrats to Worcestershire. Sussex and Glamorgan, I mean, that was a crazy game, wasn't it? Glamorgan, 123, um, and then uh, runs a plenty for Sussex, 481. And then Marnus Labashane and Kieran Carson putting on about a billion. Uh, Michael Nisa scoring a century. And then um, I, I don't know if you've seen Steve Smith's reaction to bowling Nisa. It's hilarious because essentially he's got his head in his hands because essentially it means that uh, Sussex have to go out and bat for one over. Uh, that ended up a draw. And then Harmy, uh, another big win for Durham. Um, when you consider their one defeat of the season really came in a match that actually they, they should have won. And uh, they definitely should have drawn if they hadn't gambled. They've shown quite a lot of dominance this season so far. Yeah, they're alongside, I think, the biggest you know, thing in, in the county championship this season is which one, Surrey or Durham, is going to win their leagues respectively by the most points because it just looked as though they're streets ahead of everybody else in their, in their league. Over the moon for Graham Clark. What a lovely kid yeah. he is. He yeah. really is. He's a really, really nice guy. It's like he was the one that everybody, you need a 12th man on a Saturday, Graham Clark will end up doing it. You need a 12th man on a Sunday, Graham Clark will end up doing it because nobody else wants to do it. He's just a really, really that top guy who probably thought his Red Bull career was over until mm-hmm. Ryan Campbell walked into the building. He did. Uh, he he said as much to me after his... Yeah. I was I was there on Thursday when he got his 100 and he... He just said he couldn't thank Campbell enough. Like said he'd no, no that was his second first class hundred in his first for six years. And he'd not played a game in the championship for did he play one last year? He didn't play one in twenty twenty one. He hasn't yeah. Franklin just didn't want to pick him for some yeah. reason. He thought um, he was done. And but he's he's a smashing kid. Great player, you know, really, really good good batter. Um at the top of the order in white ball cricket. Obviously his brother's Zenit. Uh, it's Surrey, Jordan, and you know, the yeah. two of them grew up with the sort of Stokes's in, in Cumbria area. Um, there was a lot, there was a, quite a few of them come across. We we missed out on Jordan. We got every other every other Cumbrian. We just missed out on Jordan. Jordan went to Lancashire, where everybody else came across to, to Durham. And Ollie Robinson, again, you know, had a, a decent score. And if there's somebody knocking on the door, for an, and it would be a massive call to give somebody a debut as a batter in the Ashes. Well, if Ing, if Zach Crawley consistently sort of fails again, Michael Jones's name can't be too far away from a selection because he fits the bill of the way England want to play. Aggressive at the top. He does hit you know, good shots down the ground. He gets good shots through extra cover. Tall man. Uh, doesn't move his feet you know, a bit like Zach. Doesn't move his feet that well, but you know, his hands through the ball is very, very good. His tempo is good. And Ajaz Patel... You know, got a few runs at the bottom of the order and got 10 wickets. Um, we've heard that one before, but this time it took them two innings and not one innings. So I think Durham, again, like I said before, they'll win the second division championship by a lot of points. It'll just be a case of who wins it by most. They're more sorry. They were really good fun to watch. 399 a day, like proper. Weirdly, I thought Gloucester did pretty well on day one because it was a pretty good deck to bat on too. And they were missing their entire first choice attack. But the way that Durham just take the game on and, I think Ollie Robinson hit Durham's second fastest, Champo 50 in the second innings. Michael Jones got 120 ball tons, second innings to set up the declaration. Then quality spinner on a dry pitch, 10 wickets in the match. Matt Potts, good under of Marcus Harris, which might be relevant in a couple of weeks' time, carried his bat in the second innings. But they, that was without, that was a week on for losing Bryden Gars as well. Our third yeah, overseas so. as well. Our third choice overseas. 
Durham's mm. third choice overseas. It was the first time we've ever won in Bristol as well. Uh, can I just make mention that uh, the current issue of the Cricketer is out very soon, if not today or tomorrow, depending on when you're listening, or yesterday. Uh, regular features of the magazine, of course, include George DeBell's uh, regular comment, I think Barney Rone. Um, there's uh, there's loads in there. There's, of course, match reports as well. There's previews. Uh, and if you head over to thecricketer.com forward slash subscriptions, or even thecricketer.com forward slash talksport, uh, that has got a 20% discount, £3.99. Um, and there's uh, there's so much in there. I've been reading it ever since I got appendicitis and uh, a kid from my dad's school donated a box of magazines, cricket magazines, which he uh, brought to my by my bedside. And uh, I don't know what was more painful, appendicitis or reading about England cricket in the 80s. It was around the time that England lost to New Zealand for the first time. Anyway, we've had some questions in. Uh, Dizzy Eight says, "Any George, this one might be for you. Any idea when the ICEC report is going to be published? The website says the commission will produce a final report in early 2023, setting out its findings. It's almost June. Uh, we do know the reasons why there has been a delay. It's not, uh, you know, and you know, it's understandable. But uh, any idea when when we're going to get those through? No, they should just publish it now. The, 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 the problem is that the ECB end. I think let's just just publish it. Just publish it and be damned." Okay, Rumal Rahman says, given given the impending hellscape that is wall to wall T10 or T20, <laughs> does anyone else feel as though following Test cricket is akin to settling in to watch a great film while your house burns down around you? Which I thought was quite funny, but it did actually remind me of something. And this may be where English cricket is going in the next uh, picture. It's 2030. Okay. And uh, can you remember that game of football that took place about five years ago when Scotland turned up to play Estonia? But for some reason, Estonia didn't show up and essentially Scotland kicked off and there was no one there apart from them. That's kind of how Test cricket's going to be, I think. I think Jimmy Anderson's going to be running into bowl and there won't be anyone actually standing at the strikers end to bat. But, it uh, is true. It, that question t- t- should remind us how lucky we are at the moment, because yeah. what is happening in England is not happening elsewhere, uh, and we're l- lucky to have a, a summer of Test cricket to look forward to. And what are there seven, seven or eight Tests this summer for us to watch? We're very, very lucky. Um, I'm, I'm doing interviewing various people in the next few days. You look at how many Tests Afghanistan and Ireland and other countries are playing. You know, it really is. Um, a dying art form elsewhere. So um, we we need to nurture it and there's absolutely no room for complacency, but it still works. But I honestly don't think the England side anyway has ever been as entertaining as it is now and, and has been for a few years. Mm. Yeah, Neil, fun. Neil Manthorpe was saying something similar, wasn't he, in Harmony, uh, in, in, uh, in New Zealand. Um, he said he was looking forward to that series more than any other that he had done for uh, for many, many years. Which, which um, one? I, uh, the uh, England New Zealand series, just because or the New Zealand England series, just because England is so so brilliant to watch these days. I've got a moment of the week, guys. I'm sure you saw it, Kent, this week. So I've been wanting to talk about the county streams for a while. I don't know if it's a little bit in, or whether I'm the only person interested in it. But essentially, Kent have announced that from uh, here on in, non-members have been offered the opportunity to pay £5.99 per game to watch T20 cricket via the Kent stream. And this brings into focus, and essentially this this brings into focus a little bit about where I am with these county streams. Uh, Full disclosure, I've worked for the Surrey County Stream. And essentially what we have at the moment is free-to-air radio commentary for all first-class cricket and uh, all county cricket, I should say. And at the same time, 
in the main, we've also got the option to watch it uh, either on YouTube for free or via a subscription on Sky Sports. So Sky Sports takes the best, oh, the, the pick of the games and then everything else is for free. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I struggle to see a world where in five years' time, both options are going to be on the table. Will the ECB, the BBC, be providing county radio streams at the same time as uh, the clubs themselves seek to monetize the video streams? I'm not so sure about that. But um, Kent's announcement this week just, for me, just proves or certainly suggests that unless people start paying for these streams, maybe and maybe the big clubs will be able to shoulder that the kind of financial outlay but it's not going to be across the board. So I almost wonder whether people need to be a little bit careful for what they wish for um, in the rush to move away from radio streams to TV streams because I'm not sure the radio stream will necessarily still be there if the uh, video streams end up being a little bit too expensive. I don't know if anybody it's, it's, has any views on that. I think it's a really interesting area, and I'm glad you brought it up, to be honest. It feels premature to do this. Um, I, I, I wish them well, and I think they're a, they're a good club in lots of ways. But it feels uh, as if we're still trying to rebuild an audience for cricket and try and commercialise that this early. It feels um, optimistic. I can understand why they're doing it, though, and I think it's partially they are a test case, seeing how other broadcasters react, not least Sky, and, and seeing how well-received it is, seeing what they can do. So I think they might be doing it on behalf of other counties a little bit to test the water. At the same time, you know, it's very difficult. I think that the, the BBC uh, service um, over 15, 20 years, whatever it's been, has been terrific. I, I, I've loved it. And um, obviously it's sometimes patchy and obviously sometimes people have people they like and don't like and all the rest of it. Generally, I think it's been fantastic free service for a very long time. But the BBC are talking about cuts a lot. And um, the game probably doesn't want to be in a position where it's terribly reliant on a service that could be withdrawn or diluted at any moment. So, you know, it wasn't there 20 years ago, and it might not be in 20. The game's always changing, as I said before. So I kind of applaud the counties for taking things in-house and having a look. Personally, I prefer the advertising model. But, you know, I say that and nearly all my written work has disappeared behind a paywall. There are different ways of doing things, and it will be really, really interesting to see how it works out. As I say, it's a test case, and, yeah, one worth watching. Okay, we're running out of time again. Uh, quickly, around the grounds, um, Nick, your players of the week, how did they fare? Ali all survived the token over at the end of the game between Sussex and Glamorgan. Um, fair place for going face now. I've got no idea why I did. I think Ari Carvelas was at the other end. He's the number 11. And actually, on... Sussex. I mean, I know I, I know I got laughed at down saying this three weeks ago, but Sussex won none of their three games with Steve Smith, um, drew all three of them. And without putting that down to Steve Smith, um, it did weaken them in the bowling department and they failed to take 20 wickets in all three games, haven't been well ahead in, in all three. Um, so you do wonder if coming on the season, they'll not regret having Steve Smith. In fact, I mean, speak, so having spoken to a couple of the, the young lads at Sussex, he was, by all accounts, phenomenal around them with his wisdom, his knowledge, all that stuff. But yeah, they might look at it and wonder whether they needed an overseas batter when actually their issue was we're going to be taking wickets. I think Ollie Robinson took almost half the wickets that Sussex took in Smith's spell and he only played one and a half of those games. The other one, Tom Price didn't play, he was nursing a back problem. So yeah, 
And that was that, really. <laughs> OK, well, thank you very much. We'll see you next week, Nick. What about you, George? Did your players play and how did they fare? Did I say Josh, Josh Tug didn't play, did he? Ben Compton, I did, and, you know. <laughs> didn't do too well. Well, I mean, you know, by his standards, he still did. Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, he's still, uh, they reached the um, test break and he scored a lot more runs, a lot higher average than Zach Crawley. He's the one who goes off to play. But it, it is amazing, isn't it, that um, England haven't picked arguably the best wicketkeeper in the world, but they have picked a man who's arguably not the best opener at Kent. Thank you, George. Well, I don't know, how, do you, how do you judge an opener? Uh, maybe it's not just who scores most runs. It isn't, is it? it I, I wouldn't, that would be a bit simplistic, I'd accept. But it's not nothing. You know, the, you know when, when, when Ben Stokes says, it's not how many, it's how, or is it, it actually, <laughs> it is how many, Ben, actually. You know, when, when they lose, you don't get runs for style. Rob Key was asked, and I think you were on the call, George, I can't remember, whether they had even discussed the idea that somebody else should open, possibly Ben Stokes should open. And Rob Key said, nope, uh, hadn't even discussed it. And it does leave you wondering, are you telling me that somebody didn't at least say it just so you could? Well, of course they did. They did discuss it. Just mark it off. Whether they discussed it at that meeting when they picked the sides, it sounds to me as if they said, look, we're not going to do this, so let's talk about other stuff. But in the weeks before, absolutely it was discussed. Um, it, it was discussed in New Zealand and at the end of New Zealand. Uh, Harmy, uh, um, Ryder Cast is injured. So Ryder Cast is injured. Ollie stop Robinson. That one. Ollie Robinson got second fastest 50 for, for Durham in the uh, the victory down at Gloucester. Um, so that was that one. Um, the, the elephant in the room, which obviously Zach, he's got two more runs than his opening batting partner going to be in the, in the first test in Ben Duckett. Um, so opening in England is is probably the most, it's the hardest thing ever. I've said this on a couple of shows this week that, in the last 30 years, we've had two outstanding openers and they've both got Sir in front of the name in Cook and Strauss. And we've had one in Michael Atherton who um, who had a stellar career, averaged in and around 40. But if you go back the last 30 years, we haven't had great openers. And it's, it's this new model of team going down the route of, well, it doesn't matter how many they get, we just want them to get in a certain fashion. Oh, they're trying something different. I don't know. I, I must admit, I don't fathom how they get into this point either because Zach Crawley's averaging 27 in test cricket, 30 in first-class cricket. Some people lose contracts off the back of that in first-class cricket. And I can see Zach Crawley opening the baton for six test matches against Ireland and Australia. I can see him opening for three. I can see okay. him opening for six. I think he'd be there for the, he's there for the whole lot. There would be a spare batter in the squad and he would be an opener. Whether it would be Ben Compton, I don't think it would be. It They'll pick a squad be. for the first two, wouldn't they? I, honestly, I can see it. I can see I can that funny decisions are made. Usually when England are playing at Ashes overseas, but we're going to have to wrap this up. I have a feeling we might talk about Zach Crawley again, though, dear listener, so don't worry. Uh, George, Nick, Harmy, thank you. Um, we'll be back. Thanks for joining us here on uh, TalkSport 2 or via the following on podcast feed. That was following on County Cricketer. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final... 
You can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today.